You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Like I said, excited to speak to you guys today. I'm wanting to encourage you to keep saying yes. Keep saying yes in your walk to the Lord. Keep saying yes when you count the cost of being his disciple. We're going to pray and then we'll jump into it. Dear Lord Jesus, we recognize, we honor your presence here this morning. We thank you for who you are. We love your presence, Lord. We love your presence. You are everything to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to just bless this time, bless this service this morning, bless our time of fellowship. I know in our time, this time together this morning, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to be weepy. I got broken in worship and then finding out that I'm having a, the last few months, I've just been extremely weepy for a lot of reasons. Anyway, I'm going to try to hold it together. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 14. And we're going to look at the passage where Jesus talks about counting the cost of being his disciple. We're going to pick up in verse 25. Just a few comments before we're getting there. You know, sadly, I believe many of us are taught a, uh, taught a life of decision and not a life of discipleship. Many of us are taught a life of decision and not a life of discipleship. Salvation occurs in a beautiful moment. But discipleship takes a lifetime. Salvation is something that God does for us. And discipleship is something that we do with God. Salvation will cost you absolutely uh, nothing. But discipleship will cost you everything. Keep saying yes. Keep counting the cost. Keep saying Yes. We're going to pick up verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Some harsh language from Jesus there, right? That language there in the word hate is to stun you, to arrest your attention it's to help him get his point across, which is he has to have absolute rule and reign in your life if you say yes to his lordship. Nothing can be before him. Not a relationship with a family member, a spouse, a child, the things that you hold deem the most valuable thing in your life. I think about my child and how I deem him one of the most valuable treasures of my life. And yet Jesus asked me to surrender that to his lordship. He asks you to do the relationships, your own life, your dreams, your plans, everything underneath him. Let's read that again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. 
Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask him for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, do not give up everything that you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. One of the beautiful things about the Gospels and what Jesus does throughout the Gospels on multiple occasions as he's gathering the multitudes, as he's gathering the numbers to him, it seems like Jesus does uh, as much as he can to continually make it hard for us to stay and easy to leave. We have to continually to keep saying yes. Otherwise, we can find ourselves loving a wedding and disregarding a marriage. Like I said, Julie and I just celebrated five years, which is awesome and exciting, huge milestone. We're in Hilton Head and just reminiscing and enjoying the last few days of, of summer. You know, I, who loves fall? Who's excited that fall's here? Like football's here, uh, jackets are here, layers are back. You know, I told Julie when we were dating, I was like, fall is my season. I look the best in a jacket. Like, I love jackets. <laughs> My closet before Julie and I got married. Oh, man. This is one of those things that you count the cost and then you move into a house with someone and you realize, oh, I said yes to this. <laughs> Poor Julie. And all my jackets and all of my things. But, man, we were enjoying the last few days of summer and hitting the pool, walking along the, the beach and, you know, driving with the windows down to just being in love. Every song on the radio and in the hotel, just everything was just like the soundtrack of our love. It was really, really awesome. We just, yes, it was great. I love my wife, if you can't tell. If Julie came to me at our wedding, you know, we're, we're packing up, we're about to get in our going away car, and she says, uh, hey, today was fun, but let's stop. Like, let's end it now, uh, today. Um, she's like, you know, I, I really look good in white. Um, I love taking my photo. Uh, I have a real big affinity for wedding cake. It's delicious. I uh, love seeing friends and family, all of those things there. But, you know, like 50 years seems like a lot. <laughs> My response would have been like, what? What just happened? I would feel like I was in a Black Mirror episode. Something in my brain would have switched that this is not real life. Uh, I have a really dark theory. I won't go there because it's sidetracking. But a Black Mirror episode, just to say that. She says all those things, and it would be absolutely insane. But if you do not count the cost and keep saying yes, you can easily slip back into loving weddings and be like a bride who disregards a marriage, a relationship with Jesus. We do not need to be that bride. Counting the cost and keep saying yes keeps our hearts in a posture of saying that the wedding is not about me. I get to partake with my bridegroom, but I'm saying yes to you for the rest of my life. From salvation to death and resurrection, my time here on earth is to show you my love 
through walking out this thing of discipleship. So let's not be like that bride. Let's keep saying yes. You know, there's a move taking place right now, and I've talked with everybody good. Everybody good? Everybody good? Okay, awesome. I'm just talking. But there's a move taking place right now on, on discipleship, and I've processed it with Stephen, I've processed it with my wife, Raul, um, anybody who frankly would listen to me talk about discipleship, I'd love to talk about it with them. <laughs> and maybe it's, you know, young adults is kicking back off for our church, little plug there, whoop, whoop. Um, but going after that is something that's on our hearts to actually do. But there's a move taking place right now on the earth where some are truly leaning in to that cost and saying, Lord, you have my yes. There's a movement taking place and a call back to discipleship. And what's happened, people my age, maybe a little bit older, a little bit younger than me, is that they have found that consumerism Christianity isn't enough. That the wedding isn't enough. That they want to walk with Jesus daily. Daily. And you can see it in what they've built. You can see it in how they've built it. You can see how long it's lasted. They're not one of those who says here in this passage that they didn't count the cost, go to build it and couldn't complete it. But they're the ones that Jesus says, they heard my words and they put it into practice. And what they've built and what they've, what they've done is impacting generations and a nation and stirring our hearts and helping a move of God come back to the cost of discipleship and a yes of following him. It's really, really profound and beautiful. Discipleship has to come back to the forefront. We've tried to get people to become Christians first and then maybe later tell them about discipleship. And then we're shocked when people walk away from the Lord. We're shocked when they decide to stop saying yes. The key difference here between a Christian and a disciple is a disciple keeps saying yes. We have to keep saying yes. If we don't keep saying yes, Jesus says what we will build will not be completed. We will not be considered his and we will lose our salt. I'm going to read that verse 34 again. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. Over the last few months, you know, I, like I said, my heart's been in a tender place. I think I've come to an age where I'm settling into who I am as a person, who, who I am as a son, and really feeling the, the relationship between me and, and the Lord is, is uh, hitting a new stride. And it's a beautiful thing, but dreaming into my 30s. I'm not 30 yet. I'm approaching my 30s, um, but I'm not worried about it. I'm actually really, really looking forward to my 30s. And I've looked back on my past seasons and, um, well, excuse me, I was dreaming with the Lord and, and thinking about my 30s and all these things. And I'm kind of one of those people, love motivation, love kind of some of those, those guys uh, like uh, David, David uh, Goggins. I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but that guy is a beast. Like, I just love these people. They're like, who will carry the boats? Like, Duh. and they like ask you, they provoke your responsibility. You know, they provoke you to be like, are you living a life worthy of what Jesus died for? And I'm like, yes, like, how I want to do that. And so I'm like dreaming into my thirties and, and all those things. And, 
And the Lord kind of checked my heart a little bit because I was writing down what I wanted to accomplish, what did I wanted to see happen for my family, what, what I wanted to see happen. He checked me and said, hey, you haven't asked me yet what I really want for your 30s. And essentially that conversation ended with him asking me, hey, will you keep saying yes? He reminded me of past seasons of saying yes. Over the course of my life, I've, I've given my, I gave my life to the Lord when I was four, which I don't know if counts. <laughs> it does. The, the spirit of it was really beautiful. It's one of my first memories, actually, the house and, and the couch, the floral design of the 90s. Man, that is ingrained in my brain. <laughs> Man, oh, never mind. I won't even say it. Um, yeah, so I gave my life to the uh, to the Lord when I was four, and throughout childhood and teenage years, and you know, approaching manhood and adulthood and all those things. I remember the Lord was bringing up moments where I didn't understand this in the moment, but I was counting the cost, or I was deciding to not do things to lose status or lose uh, activities, fun things, all of that stuff. And I recounted the cost. And the most previous time where that season is kind of approached was a young man and previous father figures in my life were around the age that I am now, 28 to 34. And I'm going to get a little real because this has affected me quite a bit. It's a part of my, my testimony. But previous father figures in my life began to meet adversity and pain. And that adversity got the better of them. The pressure of unexpected changes and challenges and fear got the better of them. And now the last time I checked, and I believe three out of four of them don't even profess to still follow Jesus. It's so sad. And these are men that I saw move in signs and wonders and prophetic, and I saw the gift that God had placed on their life. And it's just sad. Now their lives are in shambles to a degree, and they no longer possess any salt, and anything that they built is now just a monument to their folly. Their love for Jesus, their yes to Jesus, had been replaced by disappointment, pain, resentment, entitlement. And instead of being devoted to Jesus, they became disillusioned with Jesus. And their yes for him fell to the wayside. It's deeply impacted me. I love these men. I pray for them constantly, and I do believe that I will see them come back. It's one of the prayers of my life. And many, and many, <laughs> any opportunity that I can to pray for these people, I do. Because I love them. I know Jesus loves them. And I know that they're just in, a, in not a season of following him, to say the least. Randall Worley quote that I really loved and helped me during this time is, he said, people give up on themselves and in turn they give up on God. This struggle that happens in our walk, in our yes, is not something new under the sun. It's happened throughout Christianity. We've seen it before. 
This is just the first time that it became really, really personal to me. We have to keep saying yes. We have to understand that he's worth it all. Worth it all. He is worth it all. We have to keep saying yes. Here's how we keep saying yes. We abide in his love. To fully say yes to him, which is what he requires, it means I've encountered his yes for me. 1 John 4 says we love because he what? First loved us. So my ability to fully love him and keep saying yes comes from my encounter with him loving me. It's the revelation of his love for me that awakens my love for him. Whenever I find myself struggling or in a season of being overwhelmed by circumstances, and I find myself being very quick to not persevere, I know I need to go and encounter his full yes for me again. A practical way that this picture happens is, again, I love my wife very, very much, and she's perfect. <laughs> so hear me say that, my wife is amazing. Uh, but we're a married couple who sometimes fights. Imagine that, right? Any, no, we could never fight. We're, I know. <laughs> and, uh, oh man. Anytime that I notice my, oh no, it's happening now, currently. Oh, what's happening? <laughs> Just scooting away. Anytime I feel myself doing what Jake's doing exactly right now is pulling away when I feel myself being distanced from my wife or frustrations have become to a, hit a boiling point, any of those things, I know I need to revisit my why behind saying yes to her. And fortunately, I think this was just a gift from the Lord. I don't think it was my uh, smartness. That's not a word, but my, uh, my idea. This was not my idea to do. It just kind of happened that way. But throughout dating, maybe some of you guys can uh, relate to this, but we used to write each other love notes, and they were very long and extremely cheesy and gushy, and I read some of them now, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me that I was lame and this is gross? <laughs> but I'm so thankful that I did because our love story is kept in that little shoe box. And anytime I go and read those notes or see those, I had this wild idea that was going to woo her, that I would take her on a date across the city and find all of the, what's the, I'm showing my age here, what's the thing that you paid a quarter and it would take a photo at you, photo booth, there it is, I found, sorry, it's been a long morning, um, I found, I tried to find every photo booth in the city and take her to it to take photos, and I had placed each, like, each photo booth had a bag of stuff that was kept behind a photo. Like, I went and asked the store managers. It was like, I'm bringing my girlfriend here at 3 p.m. Can I take photos? And they're like, yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so weird and gross, and she still said yes. But it's, boom! <laughs> Heck yeah, I won. It's awesome. All of the hard work paid off, right? But I keep, I keep that box. 
And it's a love story in that box. And I go and reread and sob like a baby, and my heart towards her becomes tender again. The key here is to abide, to abide in his love. We need to consistently revisit our history with God. Remember the testimonies of our walk and of our life. And we need to get back into the word. One of the greatest love stories ever written to us from God the Father is the word of God. Your hearts have to become tender again. Reread that love story. We need to consistently revisit our history with God, remember the testimonies, remember what he's done for us. John 15 says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain and abide in my love. He doesn't tell us to abide in our love for him. The same way that God the Father loves the Son, he loves you. And he's asking you to abide in that love. Your only job is to abide in that love. If you can abide in that love, the cost will be a second. You won't even hesitate to say yes, to keep saying yes. You'll find yourself giving him everything again. In moments of rededication, you will be met with a fire an all-consuming fire that will kickstart your love and passion for him again. Or your passion is, I read this recently and I'm going to butcher it, but where your passion is is where you're easily going to suffer in. Like suffering for your passion is not a problem at all. So the challenge is, is what are you passionate about? If it's him, if that's your first passion, then counting the cost and saying yes will be easy. I want to look at the life of Peter here, a man with very high highs, very low lows. I'm still shocked that he cut a man's ear off. It's pretty wild. One of the reasons we call Peter a hero of the faith is because even after failure, denial, he still chose to say yes. Peter denies Christ three times, like Jesus told him he would. And Jesus is crucified and resurrected. And he appears to the disciples before the ascension in that 40-day period. In that first conversation he had with with Jesus after the denial. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to, to John 21. We'll read this here in verse 15. Say yes when you're there. Nope. (laughs) I'm moving quick. Everybody tracking along with what I'm saying this morning? Is this good? Awesome. Awesome. John 21, 15. Just a few verses here. This is the first conversation that 
Peter finds himself in with Jesus after he's denied him. And they don't even recognize him on the side of the boat. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter starts getting a little butt hurt because he's Jesus. He says, Lord, how many times are you going to ask me if I love you? Of course. Jesus asked him, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. After failure, after hardship, after confusion, after walking away, losing a purpose and passion for his life, Jesus still gave Peter an opportunity to say yes. To recount the cost. To kickstart a love deep inside of him again. To walk out what Jesus is calling him to do on this earth. And he restored a vision for his life. Keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. No matter what the cost. No matter what's at stake. No matter how great you have to lose is. Keep saying yes. He is worth it. 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 Man. Anybody remember Keith Green? He's been wrecking me recently. His songs, the prayers, the, the tenderness of his heart. And it has encouraged me to keep saying yes. And I was reminded of that song, you know, I want to take your word and shine it all around. Help me first, Lord, to just live it. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown. For my reward is bringing glory to you. Bringing glory to you. You know, picking up your cross and following Jesus, it is not a redemptive act. Jesus took care of all of that on the cross. But picking up your cross and following Jesus is a love act. It is a love act. Thank you, Lord. Be motivated by your love to lean into the cross. Pick it up. And for all your days, say yes. Follow him. Follow him. So at the end of your life, you can stand before him. And he say, well done. Well done. I'm sorry. Discipleship is just something that's been on my heart, and it's just been breaking in me. I'm really passionate about it right now. And 
This message has been stirring in me all week, the last few weeks. Man, and I want us to be those people that Jesus says, those, those are the ones. If you want to build your life upon me, go look at them. Go look at them. They're modeling what they're doing after me. Let us be people that delight Jesus in picking up our cross with joy and perseverance. And not let a selfish love for myself rob me of my inheritance and my destiny in him. Why don't you just go ahead and stand up with me? Do we have a we have a prayer team in the room? Prayer team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. If you're in the room this morning and you've actually never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to pray with you. It is the greatest yes of your life. If you're in a place of needing to rededicate your yes to the Lord this morning, we would love to pray with you. If you're in a place that you need encouragement, if you're in a place that you need hope and faith and a re-kickstart activate, I don't even know how to say that phrase, but in your love, we would love to pray for you this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. Just go ahead and tell him that this morning. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. You're so worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. Lord, I just pray right now for those who have walked away from their yes. Pray for those prodigals, Father. Send them home. Send them home. Send them home. Lord, re-encounter them. Let them re-encounter your love, Father. Rid us of all selfish ambition and things that we place high above you. Help us to reprioritize our life, Father, to serve you. Lord, we love you. We honor you this morning. We thank you. Help us to never lose our light and our salt. May we forever proclaim that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.